Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, and welcome to the Smart Tech Check podcast, where we cover all tech topics that are smart home, home automation, home security, and console game related. Today is Friday, August 28th, 2020. I hope all of you are planning to have a great uh, weekend. I know that I am. Can't wait till the weekend comes. Uh, on today's podcast, I want to kind of dive deep into a whole host of, um, I call it a tech smorgasbord of topics that I think will be interesting to many of you because several of the topics are in the news. And uh, without any further ado, I want to introduce a good friend of mine, Rob Pegarero, uh, the longtime tech contributor to uh, USA Today, Fast Company. Uh, you've read, about, um, read his work in a number of other well-known uh, news sites and publications. Good morning, Rob. How are you? And how is Very the well. treating you? Uh, morning's treating me all right. You know, I've been able to catch up on some emails and uh, don't owe copy to anyone right away, which is a nice break from how this week has gone. Right. Uh, how, how I have, we haven't spoken probably about uh, probably a couple of months. We did a podcast yeah. back in, I want to say June or July. Um, how's the summer been treating you so far? Are you surviving and, uh, it's, uh, it's going on. I'm glad you mentioned the date because honestly, the, the days do sort of blend into one another. I to one. appreciate yeah. two things in my life, two constants each week. One is the food section comes on Wednesdays, so that helps me tell <laughs> things apart. And trash day is Thursday, so you know, I've got that bit of structure in my life. You know, I find I'm running out of things to see on Netflix and Hulu. That's when you know you've been in your house too long. Is that, you know, yeah. You, you, you start watching series over and over again, I, you know, and I love Mad Men. If I watch Mad Men continuously for the fourth time, even that gets a bit old. So I'm looking forward to all of this craziness to get over soon, and hopefully it will be over and not too distant, uh, the distant future, but who knows? It'd be nice. But actually on that topic though, let's talk a little bit about uh, work from home because you, you know, as a, um, a tech writer, you've been working at your home for many, many, many years. Uh, so you know a little bit about working from home and well, I uh, thought I, I did, but <laughs> this year has been a learning well, I'm process. sure you've gotten your share of phone calls from friends and colleagues, but hey, yeah. I'm not I'm working at home. I, my company has sent me home to work. You know, what kind of things can I do to make the, the work from home uh, situation a bit more bearable? So do you have any tips that you might want to share with the audience? So the big thing that took me a while to sort of grasp was basically how bad the cameras that are built into computers are. Uh, right now, the, I've got this iMac, which has got the 720p iSight camera that's been the same hardware Apple's had for, I guess, this entire century, literally. Yes. Uh, my laptop uh, is the, this HP Spectra X360 has a nice camera on it, the 1080p, but the white balance is terrible. And I never realized it until I guess I happened wearing this blue shirt that came out as like bright purple. So I thought, okay, that's not gonna work. So what I've finally sort of, and it only took me about a month or so of doing various virtual panels that I decided, okay, the best camera I have is my phone. And this, at least I can put it on a tripod. I can put the, the Zoom app on it, Skype app on it. Uh, I've since bought uh, this app, uh, Droid Cam, I think, which lets me use it as an external camera for Zoom, which is one way to get around the other thing I should have done back in January, which was to buy a real Logitech web camera. There's this one that everyone recommends. It's been out of stock ever since, I Forever. guess, because Forever. many critical components are made out of unobtainium, and I don't know when I'm ever going to be able to buy that thing. So yeah, that's know, one it, thing. Yeah, it's funny because I use the Logitech Brio camera, which I, which is a four, their 4K camera, which requires USB-C, by the way. It doesn't plug into yep. um, 
because it requires the bandwidth to get the great picture. And I agree with you. I think, I think what, what both people don't realize is that the web cameras in just about every notebook on the planet, not just Apple's notebooks, but um, all the Windows notebooks, um, are fairly low resolution. Yeah, nobody thought and that much about the camera. It was just like, well, it's, yeah. it's a good enough component. We'll take something out of the parts bin. Boom. Let's, let's spend all <laughs> our time on uh, the, the keyboard or the screen or anything else that people will actually notice. Mm -hmm. so, uh, the, so, so the webcam is one thing, and, and obviously that needs to be corrected. And unfortunately, you're, you're right. You know, if you're trying to buy one right now, prepare to wait for a long time. Yeah, Although there are a lot, of, a lot of Asian knockoffs that I see, which I haven't played with yet. And I'm um, leery about that when I see, I'm about like, that. I know, I know why you're leery, but go ahead. Express you know, your well, multiple reasons. The, the fact that, you know, is, is the security in these things so good is it, but also just when you're dealing with a no-name vendor, you know, Amazon does not get enough uh, scorn for how terrible their, their shopping experience can be. When you look for one thing and you see 10 other things from companies you've never heard of from marketplace sellers, you don't know, you really cannot trust their views by and large because there's so much gaming of them. Right. And it's bad. Like I've, I've grown to appreciate Best Buy just because you're not in this endless archipelago of no name uh, vendors and suppliers and resellers. You at least know, well, okay, I'm buying it. From, I've heard of this company. It's from their inventory. And if I don't like it, I can return it. Right. But of course they don't have any webcams themselves. So it's not much of it a real world advantage. So webcams is one big thing. Any other hardware tips that uh, you think? Uh... So hardware, like it, because I'm slow, I finally got around to replacing the chair I have had since like the late nineties. It's, it's so <laughs> long ago. I think, I think it was before I bought a car. Cause I remember getting a taxi from Georgetown, this office supply store to take it to my apartment at the time. Uh, and it was a comfy chair at the time, but it just started deteriorating and, Basically, I found myself leaning forward all the time and having an endlessly aching back. So I finally bought a used Aeron chair, which I am now sitting on, and it is quite comfortable. And I probably haven't finished adjusting in all the right ways, but you know, yes, you should not go cheap on a chair. I mean, I was because I bought this thing used. I didn't want to spend thirteen hundred dollars on an office chair, but if you're going to spend this many hours a week in that, you should pay attention to that. Overall ergonomics. You know, if you work in an office. Presumably, there's somebody there who will make sure your setup is positioned right at home. It's up to you. So you really need to think and read and think, okay, are you seated so, you know, your legs are parallel with the floor and, uh, you know, your, your arms and your hands are just so. Because, yeah, it stinks when at the end of the day, you're like, uh, I just need some medication. My back is killing me. Right. Well, you know, the other, the other topic that, uh, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, although you're not using, I don't see any, um, are you using any type of earbuds at all? I am not. So I have a desktop USB microphone. I did buy that years ago after being on enough podcasts where people said, your, your audio is not good. Can you do something about it? And yeah, you don't need to go crazy buying some fancy microphone. Pretty much anything that plugs into your USB port and has its own, you know, looks like a real microphone will make a big difference. Yes. And, 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 you know, my advice to people is, and, you know, and it, it certainly happened to me. I, I know it's probably true of, uh, true of your experience as well, is that I tend to spend, you know, six, seven hours a day on, on, on zoom calls, WebEx calls yeah. on, on, on several Microsoft, uh, Microsoft team calls and, and people will actually appreciate it if you have a better microphone. 
you know, um, yep. even if you're not, you know, you, you know, we, of course you and I do podcasts from time to time and the, the audio recording is important, but um, you know, making sure that other people, parties can hear you, especially when you're on these calls with 25, 30 people. And I've been on calls like that, you know, having a really, really good um, discreet microphone, I think is a, a pretty important deal. And by the way, if you're working at home and you've got kids, you know, it's not, it's a nice little way, especially if you've got over the ear headphones or you've got, um, you know, earbuds. You definitely want to make sure you have a, a home office door you can close and lock, uh, whether it's a kid coming in. We, we did get a cat earlier this summer. And, uh, you know, most of the time it's fine. Abel will just hang out in the last chair behind me and, and sleep in it. So I, I cannot take a nap in it anymore. It's been taken up by my coworker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you want to make sure you can have at least some peace and quiet and you're, you're relatively isolated from the rest of the house. Uh, yep. And the last thing I've done is actually just sort of decorate a little bit. I've put more things on the walls. Uh, I, I've yet to be um, rated on Twitter by the Rate My Skype Room Twitter account, but I don't want to, you know, I want to at least look presentable when I'm doing a TV hit or whatever. And that exactly. means having something that looks relatively nice in the backdrop. And I, I noticed on your back door too, and I have the same type, I'm using virtual wallpaper, so you can't see it. And I did this on purpose, but on your back wall, it, lo it looks like you do exactly what I do is I, you collect every single pass you have from every trade yes, show you've the, ever the, gone for to. Our listeners, I have a hook just like that. The, there's gotta be like 15 pounds of conference badges hanging from this hook on the door in my office closet. Uh, and you know, like right now, this time we should be packing and getting ready to collect another badge from IFA in Berlin next week. But, you know, let, let, let's let's talk about that. I have that yeah. on my list uh, that you and I, that's how I met you, by the way, several years ago yep. at uh, IFA in Berlin at the uh, wonderful Grand Hyatt. I think it was at the Grand, yeah, it was at the Grand, yeah, Grand Hyatt. Hyatt. I miss that place very much right now. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I, the, the IFA events are great. You know, the, uh, the, they are really, they really are new show. Uh, unlike yeah. CES, I mean, you, you, first of all, you get a different perspective of technology because you get it from an internet, from a European yeah. perspective. Um, CES tends to be very U.S. focused, but uh it's unfortunate that this year's show, like so many other events, got canceled. There is going to be a virtual event. They've made a big deal of that uh, next week. But what are your thoughts? And despite the fact that I know you're, you're missing the German beer, which is, of course, very And popular. the pretzels and everything else. And the pretzels. Yeah. So, Aoife, I mean, they are having a, a very scaled down real world show, basically modeled after the global press conference they do in the spring. Yep. And for a while, they were saying, you know, you, know, you, you were welcome, uh, you know, but wait to book your travel. And then a week or two ago, they sent this email due to travel restrictions, i.e. because you are Americans and, uh, you know, we're, we're, our COVID response around the world is not great. So I can't <laughs> exactly blame them for having a travel ban. And so they said, you know, we're sorry, we cannot accept you. We'll miss you very much. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they will have, you know, we can catch up on the press conferences and whatnot after they happen. Because for instance, yeah. the Cristiano Amon, Amon keynote from Qualcomm CEO, that is, uh, I think, 3.45 Eastern time a.m. Uh, so I would rather not get up that early. I mean, you at least, I guess, could just stay up late to watch it. Oh, which is what I, because I'm always up till two o'clock in the morning partying, yeah. as you know. So that, yeah. <laughs> no, so, no, you're, you're, no, you're right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a, a tough because they did not adjust the, um, the times to accommodate. Yeah. And it's very hard to do that when you're in Europe to make it. You can't come up with a, a, a timing that makes everybody happy regardless of where they yeah. live. So this is the you're right. But they're, and their keynotes, by the way, they get some big hitters. 
you know, yeah, the, like last year know, they had uh, the guy from Huawei. We were sitting next to each other. There was a yes. recall. It was like, when is this guy going to talk about the whole security issue? And that, and well, and, the, and you know, I was very and I was very outspoken about that. I mean, I, yeah. as I and I know you had concerns that you would think that would be the number one issue they talked about, but he completely ignored it, which yeah. is that's one way of handling a controversial issue. Just pretend just, it doesn't exist. Yeah, you know? uh, the the Roku uh, Anthony Wood of Roku. He gave a great he did a nice job. He did a, he actually did a nice mm-hmm. job of, his, of their European plans. Yes. So, um, so, so, what's, so I've learned so far that you're not going to, you're not going to get up at three o'clock in the morning to see the, uh, the, the see their keynotes, but they will all be pre-recorded. They'll be recorded yeah. and you'll be able to see that after the fact during uh, yeah. normal times. In general, do you think, um, what's you, you know, CES obviously is going virtual this year, which is another break streak I've had since 1998. I know. I, I share that, uh, share that Lou Gehrig like, uh, track record uh with you um do you think trade shows do come back i mean i know that they have to yeah i mean so what i've realized from from participating in panels at virtual events and watching other people's panels you can sort of replicate the experience on a one-off basis but -hmm. the whole point of going to someplace first of all is to actually like see the hardware that is coming out I, i feel bad that as a tech journalist pretty much the only time I've been able to like check out new technology hardware is when I go to Costco and they have the huge display of TVs right at the entrance and I can pause and see, okay, how cheap have 4K sets gotten? Do they have any 8K sets? The answer is no so far. Um, You know, all all the sort of usual hands-on time I get is just not there. Uh, You know, the actual networking that goes on, it's hard to replicate. You know, I've had some, there was one conference I spoke at virtually, they had a good Slack setup that sort of got it across. Uh, there was another one, Collision, this conference that happens in Toronto and said happened online. And they had a, a virtual Irish pub, which is very nice. They FedEx me, uh, you know, the various drink mixings and had a bartender from Ireland explain how to make these various cocktails. It was via Zoom with a small enough group of people. It was sort of like, hanging out in the speaker's lounge at the end of the day, but it's hard to replicate that. And what's really hard to redo is that this is what you do. You know, when you're at a conference, you have taken your other distractions out of the way for me to sort of stay tuned into a zoom conference all day long. uh, When I'm at home means like I'm not doing chores. I I am neglecting my family. I'm being fundamentally antisocial and it's hard. And then you say, oh, I'll just watch this stuff later on. Well, I've got presentations from uh, Black Hat was like almost a month ago in Las Vegas, virtually, instead of, instead of in Vegas. Still haven't watched these things because I'll get around to it at some point. Yeah. So you, you actually need to have in-person events where the networking happens, the unexpected connections develop. Well, and, that, uh, and, and that's We're not going to have the stupid well, pandemic I- forever. I yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, from your perspective, though, I would imagine that, let's face it, you know, I mean, you cover the tech field, but when you're a journalist, much of the news that you that that you uncover are in conversations over a drink, yep. over lunch, that we're not, you know, it was said, something was said inadvertently. It's not going to happen during a prepared uh, presentation, yeah. you know, because those yeah, are all cut off up. from a lot of what usually happens, uh, you know, just figuring out who, who else should I be talking to in this field, yep. going to an event and seeing who is actually articulate and knows their stuff and is a good speaker on a panel. That's a great way to figure out who you should have been talking to all along. Right. But you're optimistic that the trade shows are going to come back. Some of them won't. I mean, it's, 
you know, like CES, I think is fundamentally unkillable. People have been saying, oh, single vendor events will take its place for forever. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Most companies cannot be like Samsung or Apple. They can't just have their own splashy event and make everyone fly out there. Um, you know, Mobile World Congress, I, I think will be back because, you know, yeah, there's lots of smaller carriers and, and app developers and whatever. They need some way to connect. Right. Um, you know, something like South by Southwest, I think Austin as a city has got so much into that uh, and they, they make so much money off of it. I think the, the motive, the need and the motivation to bring mm-hmm. it back are there. Yeah. Smaller things, I don't know. You know, I think about, let's see, how many, how many different events have I gone to that, that I'm not going to right now? Um, yeah, you know, smaller events that, on the other hand, so one event which was still supposed to happen until like three weeks ago, uh, the Competitive Carriers Association, this trade group of smaller um, wireless carriers, they have their annual gathering. I spoke at it last year. It was in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. <clears throat> Rhode Island. This year it was supposed to be in uh, Amelia Island, Florida. And I was hoping for them to cancel it because Florida has not exactly <laughs> gotten their, <laughs> their, their hands around this pandemic at all. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a case where it's, it's a lot of smaller companies. And so none of them are going to be able to have their own events. Right. So they probably need that more so than like MWC Americas, which does Verizon need that show to advertise what it's up to? I don't know. Well, you know, the, the, the trade show, you know, phenomenon thing has been interesting. You, you've been going to it for years. And even before the pandemic, there's been a consolidation of trade shows over the last, yeah. you know, over the last 20 years. I mean, there used to be Comdex that got blown up. Um, then you had CES. That's that's stuck around. There was it was PC I, I Expo. Voiced that on other people when I was in a position when I had a chance to go. I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I you know I, I think um, you know the, the the trade show thing. I think it will survive for exactly the reasons why um, you've outlined. But it's like many things after this pandemic. You know, there, there's going to be a new normalcy in a variety of uh, of uh, different areas. But you know, let's talk a little bit about though. Um, a piece that you just did on USA in USA Today um, on COVID and the, um, the, yes. uh, the the COVID exposure notification apps. And now that the API is alive and well with Apple and Google, let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, I have, I, I, I want to get your, your, your two cents on it because it is, a, it's still a very controversial topic with many people, you know, yeah, I mean, it, there's, it, a, there's a technology portion and the, the 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 uh, the capability of being able to execute it, and then yeah. there is the for me there is well are people going to opt into it because it really you know the, the, the these notification apps don't work if you don't have enough data to make judgment yeah. calls on it so there's that privacy issue that a lot of consumers struggle with so let, let's I want to get your two cents on that so in this case it was actually an advantage to be staying at home this whole time because. I was pleasantly surprised to see that my state, Virginia, had the first such app in the U.S. COVID-wise shipped August 5th, so installed it the day it came out, and I haven't gotten COVID, so obviously it's working, right? I mean, <laughs> That's good. I checked the box there. <laughs> yeah. No, so it was refreshing to finally have one, of these, have one of these apps come out, put it on my phone and a couple of other ones for test purposes, and there's, there's literally nothing to it. There's mm-hmm. about maybe three... Uh, 
buttons to check off, tap on the screen, and then you basically do not see it. It does its work in the background. It has, you know, no permissions whatsoever. It is the most invisible app I've had on my phone uh, ever. And hopefully it will stay that way. Um, but you really do need something like this. It's not the only thing. I mean, these apps, they are dependent on multiple things. One is, as you said, will people install them? And, you know, I don't know. You know, you have to worry that the people who go out of the way to not wear masks in public because rah, 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 my freedom, they're mm. definitely not going to put this app on their phone. And that's not helpful. But you also need rapid turnaround of tests. And right now we're not there. We, uh, I, I keep hearing that we will get there. But obviously you've got to do one of these things first. Uh, it is unclear what difference they will make. Uh, these apps, they've been around longer outside the U.S. Latvia shipped the first one at the end of May. And I don't have numbers on how, you know, how many cases that has helped uh, trace. But it certainly seems that these things could help. The, the actual cost to the user in terms of time spent installing it, data exposed, is nothing. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to a develop, uh, guy who developed one of these apps for Alabama, and he said, you know, I was surprised by how little information we could touch. You know, he, you cannot get it, uh, your, your phone's GPS in this thing. We don't know what difference they'll make. Um, I haven't seen numbers on that. Uh, I do know, so for instance, in Virginia, they said, I guess in the first week, they'd gotten to about 10% of the smartphone users between 18 and 65 in the state, which is good. Uh, The numbers I'd seen in terms of what makes an effective install base, uh, Latvia had said about 20%, you know, not to stop it, but to slow it. And this Mm -hmm. is all about degrees. You know, you want to, slow the spread, chip away at the problem, because I think as we've seen, there is no switch to flip. This is not gonna go away immediately. Uh, I wish it would, <laughs> it would make my life so much easier if it would, but that's, that's not the world we live in. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, and I agree with all of, of everything you're saying, uh, Rob. I mean, I, I think the, the concern I have is, is the human portion of it. Yep. And, you know, I, and again, I don't have any scientific data to, pro- uh, to, um, to, to prove this, but I know most of the folks that I talk to, you know, that, you know, are relatively tech savvy, um, even people who are not tech savvy, frankly, um, yeah. this reticence to, they understand the virtue of the technology. They, they, they understand the virtue of the capability. And I don't think it's, it's a freedom thing. Um, and I, you know, I, and I, by the way, I think Apple users are probably a bit more open to considering it because Apple's done, I think, a better job of, uh, from a yep. reputation standpoint of portraying themselves as being very focused. And, and I don't think it's just a perception. I think Apple in general has done a better job of, of uh, espousing the virtues of protecting people's privacy and data, where Google, on the other hand, you know, their reputation, let's face it, is a bit uh, dicier yeah. with many people. And you know, what I struggle with is that if you can't get enough people to opt in, and these yep. are all opt-in capabilities that, you know, it's garbage in, garbage out, you know, I'm so, not, yeah, I'm not so worried about, you know, the, the, I'm not worried so much about the scenario where, you know, you, you hear, oh, well, 
you know, the, the app just told me that there's a bunch of people uh, in MacArthur Park in San Francisco that have that may have been infected. And I just saw John Smith there. So I'm going to tweet all over the place that John Smith has COVID. Uh, yeah, that could happen. Sure, it could. But I'm not sure that's that's the issue. That to me is kind of a twilight zone like uh, you know, portrayal of, of uh, you know, of, of privacy at, at um, going um, amok, so to speak. I'm more concerned about the people is that people just are, are lazy, you know, and they feel yeah. like, you know what, this thing is almost over, or that's the perception. And, you know, why should I opt in? While. So I think that's what I, that's what I really struggle with. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's uh, interesting comparing Apple and Google, how they sort of, I guess, with sort of reputational damage or, or help they've given themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Apple has this privacy by design stance and that they, they live it, they mean it. And so they, they have that trust. Google, on the other hand, there is some justifiable concern, but the, the apps are equally privacy preserving on both platforms. And to the point where one complaint I've seen health officials make is, we actually do want to know where people were and you can't get that from these apps. Mm -hmm. You know, that it, it, it if I were to be notified of an exposure. So I just checked and then uh, let's see here. I can see it, it says 54 checks in the past 14 days. If I were to get a notification that I had been too close for too long to somebody who tested positive, it would say the day, but not the location. Right. And so, and if I were to get that notification, I would then have to cross reference that with my Google Maps location history. You know, mm -hmm. where was I on that date? Right. And in Apple, if you use Apple Maps, you don't get that because there isn't that history. And so well, one point I, somebody made to no, me was. I'm convinced the fear is the, the, the perception, the fear of the, uh, the, the perception of fear is worse than the, the actual yeah. capability because from an architecture standpoint, it's just that capability is simply not there. But people, you know, people don't believe it. And if they don't yeah. believe it's it, it's complicated to explain. So the, the yeah. my USA Today column is about 500 words. It should be quick to write. But in this yeah. case, I probably spent about an hour writing and rewriting these two or three paragraphs where I was breaking down. We have these anonymous Bluetooth keys. Mm -hmm. You exchange them with other phones. The phones compute themselves. You know, does this suggest you were near this other phone, i.e. person, for this long, this close. When that person tests positive, the keys go here, then there, and it's all, there's a lot of hand waving and I'm still not sure I could explain it in, you know, two minutes on the air. <laughs> I would, I would need uh, a flow chart, a lot of slides, and people would be logging off, I'm sure. And they we all know that if it takes you that long to explain something, you've lost somebody. Yeah, and it's difficult and you sort of have to say, you know, like, Trust me, really, I've looked at it. I've talked to developers. You know, the, the one I talked to in Birmingham, Alabama was, you know, surprised at how little he could get at. Mm -hmm. you, know, you If you write for this API, you cannot touch location. So the, there's, it's been done in the right way, but now it's, it's up to us in terms of us smartphone users and us people coordinating testing who need to make sure that the turnaround is faster than right. it has been. Uh, there's a couple of other topics I do want to hit uh, in the in the minutes that we have left. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about can't avoid this, you know, 5G. You know, <laughs> you know the the, the new yeah. uh, Apple 5G phones are supposedly coming. They're probably a few weeks away. 
Um, yep. Lots of speculation, but I think they, they probably will be introduced in the September timeframe. Um, you know, are, are you going to be upgrading to 5G? That's the first nope. question I ask anybody. No, not, no rush at all. But you're not going to upgrade. You're not going to do the, no. make the big so, uh, And I'm a T-Mobile user, so I should have it best off. T-Mobile, to sort of briefly recap a very complicated topic, there's three big flavors of 5G. There's the millimeter wave frequencies that Verizon only uses so far, which are really fast, but also have coverage of like a thousand feet. Right. And that's not through walls, uh, not even through trees. <laughs> it's really brittle bandwidth. You have, you have that line of sight, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's the low band stuff on the same frequencies as LTE. AT&T has that, T-Mobile has that, Verizon will have that. What T-Mobile has is mid-band spectrum that I got from Sprint, which is a nice compromise in some ways, the best case scenario, mm -hmm. but that is also still slowly getting rolled out. And plus right now, the, the phones themselves, they're bigger than they should be. They cost more than they should. And just, no, I don't want to pay extra for that. Uh, so let's look forward to a year or so from now. When so really, so you so you, you you would would you advise someone who's buying a phone right now not to buy a phone with five G as a kind of um, a future? Yeah, I would say if five G is like a free feature because you wanted the phone for the camera or the size mm -hmm. or whatever, that's great. But it's just not worth paying extra for, and especially if it's on Verizon where a millimeter wave is so limited. Right. Um, and AT and T, you know that they. they AT&T doesn't even have coverage maps of them, their uh, millimeter wave service. They say it's in parts of these cities, but no one really knows. Right. Yeah, I guess you'd have to like walk up and down blocks. And I know I think, uh, a friend I of ours- I think I read a piece the other day that eight, you know, during the pandemic, their, their rollout has been affected, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure, yeah. You know, that's probably been a, a, a big problem. But you know, the, I, you know, to me, the interesting thing is this will be a tremendous test of Apple's brand loyalty. You know, because, yeah. you know, during a pandemic with people out of work, you know, not working well, the, the, uh, saving, you know, people are saving money hand over fist at levels that have never been comprehended in, <laughs> in U.S. history because people just are so uncertain of the future. Um, I mean, I am sure these new Apple 5G phones will be in the $1,500 range. That's a I lot know, of money. Like, no, I can't. I cannot justify that. I, I have a hard time spending that much on a laptop. And and that one I'm probably not going to like drop <laughs> within the first week of having it. Uh, yeah, so no, I, I I don't disagree with you, but you know, but Apple again, you know, they're almost in a class by itself. And you know, yeah. you and I I have shared stories with you that I you know I I like the experience of standing online at five o'clock in the morning because I from really from a work standpoint, the, the, you know, when you're on a line on an, at an Apple store and the day of the announcement when you could very easily just order it online and get it that day. Like, why are we still doing this? this why are we still doing this? But those, those people are diehards. And <laughs> I have run into people where, you know, you're not sure, you're not sure if they even have a job, frankly, and they're, they're rolling out 1500 bucks. Well, they may not. We, we never know. <laughs> well, we, we yeah. never, we'll never, we'll never know. So this is going to be a tremendous test of their loyalty, but put, put, but putting that issue aside, you know, I do think that, um, 5G messaging of all the different carriers has been so over the top. It's going to take over yeah, the world. Like, and and kind of I, I think that it, it's for a lot of people, first of all, I think that if you're going to make a decision to buy 5G, make sure you know what your carrier is going to be doing because yep. it's, it's so dis, disparately different 
um, you know, from an implementation standpoint, Verizon has a better story with, uh, with uh, millimeter wave, <coughs> like you said, but you're not going to get magical um, throughput for the most yeah. case on day one, even with, if you are with Verizon, unless you're in very close proximity uh, to a I, 5G I see this tower. is more of a 2021 story for a couple of reasons, well, actually probably three. One is uh, the hardware themselves, the chipsets should get smaller, more compact, more energy efficient, which is good for your phones, their size. That's costly. Life. Uh, mm -hmm. Two is frequency. Uh, the FCC just wrapped up a big auction of mid-band 5G frequencies. There are others um, coming later this year, early next year, which will mean other carriers will have mid-band service. The big unknown and what would make all this hype worthwhile is home broadband. If mid-band 5G lets you deliver uh, speeds competitive with fixed broadband, wired, and either without a data cap or a data cap so high, you don't actually run into it. So not like 100 gigs, but Comcast is now 1.2 terabytes, which is you know not infinite, but a lot of people will not see that. Right. If 5G gives people a choice beyond uh, Comcast or whoever the local cable monopoly is, that makes it worth the hype. No, I, I, I think you, you nailed it. I think to me, that is the interesting implication of 5G over time. Not now, of course, but a year and a half yeah. when, when the rollout is there and you are getting millimeter wave-like performance that you can replace that Comcast um, connection. You can, you can replace that fiber optic connection. Now you will need a router, of course, that converts 5G yeah. signals to Wi-Fi 6 or Wi-Fi 6E, which just, uh, just got, yep. uh, is getting rolled out. But I think that's, that will be the interesting, um, I think, implication for the smart home and be able to get to a lower cost. Of course, of course, if the, yeah. if the data cap um, ceiling problems are, are, are overcome. Two topics I got to get your opinion on because yep. it's in the news. TikTok. Yeah. I mean that. You know, what, do, what do you think? What so are, I, I really struggle to see why TikTok has become this huge problem. If you actually look at the data the app collects, it is really... Uh, quite modest, meek even, I would say. It does not actually ask for your location. You know, there are other ways you can get at it, but compare it to like Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or any other social app, it is pretty light in its data requests. Uh, you, can, you can sign in with Apple on, on an iPhone. So they don't even have uh, your email address. Mm. Um, there is the issue of, if you wanna say, is the Chinese government sneaking around and using this app to collect data on all of us, they could just buy it. There's so many data brokers out there, uh, you know, in the, the ad industry, all the other apps. I, I don't see why this is a threat beyond all the other stuff on our phones. You know, WeChat, the other app, the Trump administration is targeting. Yeah, that asks for a lot of stuff. And, and we know the Chinese government has used this to uh, spy on dissidents, the security is not great. On the other hand, if you go to China for business, you need WeChat. It's sort of unavoidable. Right. Uh, but yeah, TikTok is, is no WeChat. Yeah, I, no, I, I think it's important that you made that distinction because they are two different uh, animals in terms, of the, the, in terms of the way data is being used. I myself personally think that the, um, and this is more of a just a, um, it's a political observation. I think the Trump administration is making this a big deal about TikTok, really to, to flex their muscles a bit in front of the Chinese and saying, hey, yeah. you know what? We have the ability here to influence this 
big, big behemoth. And, uh, you know, we're literally going to order, you know, order them um, to be acquired by. If, and it if looks you, like it's going to happen. I mean, so do you think Microsoft will, will win this race? Or, I, Oracle? I what is Oracle doing Walmart, buying a consumer Walmart, app? Walmart, of all, of all things, Walmart is in the mix. You know, I haven't watched yeah. the news in the last couple of hours, but that seems to me an odd, uh, an odd. Uh, uh, Microsoft, I could sort of see like Minecraft that they know how to like run uh, a game that, you know, kids like uh, Walmart is the, they're cool and hip are not words I would use. And, and Oracle is completely inexplicable. Yeah, that, that, that's completely off the radar. I mean, I, I, that to me, is like talk about a, a square peg in a round hole. I just, it's that, like that, an episode that, of the HBO Silicon Valley show. Like exactly. Hooli uh, was buying Piper chat, which yes. worked out disastrously <laughs> in the show. <laughs> No, yeah, so that, it's it's a very very weird thing, but I I think the WeChat thing I I, I certainly do agree with you, and I and I believe that there are some very valid concerns here because the data captured there, um, yeah, obviously could have some really nasty implications if it ends up in the wrong hands. And like you said, you know, if you know if WeChat doesn't exist, and that that's a problem, you know, yeah. to operate in China. So that that, that that's a, pr a problem. But I, I should note, I do not have TikTok on my personal phone. Uh, that's mainly because I'm old and I am. I'm oh, I would love I would love to see a TikTok video from you. I, I would pay for that. That yeah. would be that, that would be a paid would opportunity. Pay to have me not be on TikTok. <laughs> exactly. Last question before we end the podcast, because yeah. um, you know I, I know that you know you you uh, you know you, you you try to stretch out your hardware purchase as long as possible. It sounds like you know you're in the you're you're gearing up for maybe a possible Apple upgrade over time. Will you buy an iMac or or a new MacBook with Apple Silicon? I mean, I know that's a hard question to answer would. right now because there's not, not a lot of information out there but beyond what Apple announced at their uh, keynote um, about a month ago. But what's your thoughts on that? Are you, will, will that hold you up or are you, are you uh, going to let no, other people? I think uh, the, the performance promise of Apple Silicon for what I use a computer for seems legit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being able to run iOS apps on that machine, that'll yes. be in advance. Uh, on the other hand, I'm also hoping maybe without a uh, reason that like what I would like would be a Mac mini with Apple yes. Silicon, but also to catch up on all these features that you would think Apple would have by now. Like mm -hmm. why is there no touch ID or face ID on an Apple desktop? You know, I, I use uh, one password as my password manager. It's a Mac first app. It's so much better to use on my windows laptop because it works with uh, windows hello to log me in. Yes. Um, on my iMac desktop, I got to type in the password every single time. Right. It, it's dumb <laughs> that Apple hasn't <laughs> fixed that. So I'm right. hoping an Apple Silicon Mac mini would have a touch ID fingerprint sensor on the front or the top or wherever. Uh, I would like it to have like Wi-Fi 6. That'd be nice uh, to not rip me off for storage. Like 256 gig SSD. Where do you even buy them in that uh, small size these days? No, I, I, I had I had this conversation with Dwight Sullivan from the Chronicle the other day. Is that you know because he just bought a brand, the brand new Intel yeah. iMac, which is kind of the last of the Mohicans that's yeah. the, 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 that of the old existing form factor, which is still actually a pretty ni nice unit. Um, but the um, you know that's Apple's you know mo. 
I mean, uh, and I, and that's one of the things you and I have talked about that we've talk, talked yeah. about extensively when we were flying back from uh, Berlin a, about a year ago, if I recall, Yes. that it just annoys me personally because I, I'm the kind of person that I don't mind getting my hands dirty and upgrading and upgrading Apple hardware is becoming harder and harder and harder. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, to, but, and they tra- charge exorbitant prices. If you want to go to 64 gig on a iMac, um, I think it's a, cu- a couple thousand dollar upgrade where you can buy the memory yourself for 600 yeah. bucks. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. You know? So yeah, th- these are things, you know, we know Apple Silicon, it should make the machines cheaper for Apple at least. <laughs> that's cheaper. So I, I really think the fire is unclear. <laughs> yeah. The, the interesting thing is, and, and then we'll just kind of close it here is that, um, I'm wondering how, you know, they're going to be able to, they're obviously going to roll, roll, uh, they have to roll out different iterations of Apple Silicon from a performance standpoint. Unlike an iPad or or an iPhone, you know, you don't have a choice in terms of the speed of the CPU. There's one, you know. uh, Yeah, it's it's the Apple way that you don't have to think about that. Yeah, you don't have to think about it. But, you know, in a desktop or portable thinking mode, you know, most users, and I think this will be very difficult for Apple to change, is that when you buy a desktop or notebook, one of the decision criteria is how fast is that notebook? Do I need a two yep. gigahertz, a three gigahertz? Is it an i5, an i7, an i9? We can thank Intel for cre- creating that thinking with Intel inside yep. years ago. But I think there will be different versions and different speed bumps that they'll ultimately announce. I think the question will be, is what you talked about before, is from beyond performance, your performance. Okay, Apple Silicon runs yep. better or faster than its Intel equivalents. The question is, is will I be able to run, you know, natively iOS apps on, on Big Sur, which yeah, will and be and obviously will, will advantage for a lot of people. A lot of people would love to run those apps unaltered. The developers will fall in love with that if they don't have to change the code dramatically. Yeah. And of course, you know, will Intel specific apps, you know, run as well as they say on this Rosetta 2 translation layer? We'll have to see. I mean, it looked great in the demo, but everything looks great in the demo. Wouldn't the irony be that Windows in some type of emulation mode runs faster on Apple Silicon than it runs on? I mean, that's we don't know if that's possible or not, but uh, who knows? You know, I mean, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why I like... um, using parallels as I can have the best of both worlds. And it actually runs pretty quickly, uh, frankly, um, if depending on how fast your iMac is, I wouldn't use it for gaming, but for general productivity applications and maybe some very light uh, video editing applications, you know, parallels works just fine. But if, if, but if they're able to, um, whether it's parallels or whether it's Apple able to figure out to run, you know, natively windows in a very efficient way, on top of a um, an Apple Silicon platform, that will be very interesting to see. Yeah, um, we'll have to see because I I am so old. I remember when Apple came out with the Power PC. Their thing is now we have enough processing power you can emulate Windows and it's okay. But in fact, soft Windows was not that okay to use. It was it was adequate if you needed to like fact check how something looks in Windows. But for day to day productivity, fun is not the memory I have of uh, trying right. that. Well, I don't know if you can hear that in the background, but this is, the, you, know, you know how you can always send that the, the podcast is over is my needle robotics um, robot vacuum is now that's what it is. vacuuming <laughs> in my place. So that is, that is a, <laughs> that's, that's a sign for me to Rob to tell you, thank you for participating in today's podcast. You and I will be in touch uh, after the fact. Um, thanks for, uh, to the entire more insights audience for listening to today's podcast. Uh, please follow us on our usual social media suspect partners. That's Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great week.
Thank you.